Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Uh, welcome to Sam's Smorgasbord. And today we have a guest. Guest, what is your name? My name is Adam Fabozzi. Are you positive about that? You know, some days, yeah. Some days, no. Most days, not not really. Would you, would you be someone else at some point? Uh, if I had a choice? Nah, my life is cool, man. Yeah. It's cool. It's got its days. It's got its days. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're... You're married and you have yes. a child. Yes. Yeah. Potty training the child too. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. How's that going? Uh, it's got its days. It's got its, it's honestly, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Like Nikki takes care of a lot of the stuff because I, she's a stay at home mom and, yeah. and I work all day, every day. So she handles a lot of it. And I, you know, I, I just have the easy part of coming home and hearing what she did for the day. And she doesn't really go to the bathroom too much at night. So most of her day is going to the bathroom with mom. So, so it's kind of, you kind of just you get home and you're like, Oh, you, you, you pooped on the toilet today. Yeah. Wonderful. Congrats. I get FaceTimed like three times a day about how she went in the potty. That's uh, it's a lot of what we're celebrating lately is, you know, Nikki called me before, I got home today and uh, she was just basically like, I fell asleep and Nick and Mia wound up uh, being able to go to the bathroom by herself and started cleaning up the potty and taking care of everything. And then I woke up and uh, I saw her in the act of trying to clean up everything. Damn. She's, uh, she's, she's really going for it. She's, she's independent too. She's, uh, she gets, she takes it after me, man. She, she's, Stubborn Italian. She wants to do everything herself. Everything's about her. And you, and you are a pretty stubborn man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, man. And, I mean, it is that Italian stubbornness. I, I, I know that all too well being, you know, part Italian myself. So. Yep. 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 But, um, I mean, like, how, uh, you, you guys, you guys kind of went through the, the whole rigmarole. Uh, when uh, when you had Mia, because you got you could you had her during COVID. That's when yeah. Nikki had to uh, give birth, and I know at the time, like hospital visitation and like who could be in the room and stuff like that was a nightmare. So like, yeah, did you did you get to be in the room or like so, how did that go? So yeah, so um, yeah, you, you said it. It was a it was a nightmare, man. Um, we actually chose to induce. Um, we chose to induce about a week earlier than her due date because at that point in time, the, so Mia was born March 22nd of 2020. And at that point in time, as she came down and wanted to come see me, she's literally standing right behind me right now. Um, and at that time, things were, you know, starting to shut down and, um, it, it was very scary. They started taking away visitors and they started taking away, support people and normally you're allowed to support people in the room well yep. they're taking away one and then the fear was that in due time the second support person was going to be taken away so we uh excuse me we chose to chose to induce a week prior and uh yeah and, and honestly the entire thing w w was literally a nightmare so beforehand nikki was working as a um basically a secretary um, or administration for a dentist office and the dentist office, even though they were staying open, they furloughed her. So they pretty much laid her off and then said, we're not paying for your benefits. And oh. we are, <laughs> yeah. And we're 38 weeks pregnant and going into the hospital, having a baby with no health insurance going, well, this is, this just got really expensive. Yeah. L luckily, 
because of the pandemic, because of COVID, we were able to to hop onto New York State's plan and and um, wound up paying nothing for the baby, and and actually wound up being a blessing in disguise. To be honest with you, because Nikki was furloughed, and meanwhile she was collecting unemployment because she was furloughed. Mm-hmm. She was collecting unemployment and didn't have to start collecting any of her paid family leave or disability until they hired her back. So she got like six extra weeks of maternity leave. So it wound up working really in our favor, but at first like short. Yeah. It was just a pain in the ass. It was, it was terrifying. It wasn't necessarily just a pain in the ass. Like, yeah, it was like phone call upon phone call, you know, day in and day out. Well, I'm, I'm trying to study for exams for my job. Yep. And most of my day is spent calling different organizations to figure out, okay, guys, what, what the hell is going on here? You know, what's going to happen to us? How much money? I, I literally thought we were going to wind up with like a $30,000 hospital visit for a kid. Yeah, no. And that, that would have been just <laughs> fucking nuts. Yeah, I would have alt that forward to that shit real quick. I, I just, uh, yeah. I can't even imagine. I did. I, I probably just would have been like, okay, well, I'm going to go fight someone at the hospital and they're going to, you know. John Q it. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know. Yeah. So make, make something happen. So, yeah, not, not the, not the funnest time. Um, you know, this time, you know, we're, we're due in December. So we're going to have another kid here shortly. And this time it's a little bit easier. We know what we're getting into. We still have health insurance. <laughs> nobody's, yeah. getting, nobody's getting laid off. Hopefully, um, you know. So we, we should be we should be okay this time. I just that I you know I'm gonna sound like the biggest pansy in the world complaining about where I'm uh, where I'm sleeping while my wife is pushing a baby out of her her holes and that cot that they make the dad sleep on is mm. the, it's the worst man oh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure i'm bringing an air mattress this time because I, I slept for maybe two hours for the entire couple days that we were there because not only are you sleeping on this cot <clears throat> but literally every so every three hours you got to wake the baby up to feed but then every like hour and a half they come in to check the baby's vitals to check how mom's doing or it's like every three hours, but it's like, it's never in line with when you're waking up the baby to feed. So you're, you're getting maybe an hour's worth of sleep and then they come in and then an hour's worth of sleep and then they come in and then 15 minutes of sleep and you got to wake up and feed the baby. And then you're up for a half hour feeding the baby and then you put them down they finally get to sleep and then they come in again. It's just, it's like this never ending loop until you get home and you can actually like put them down and take a sleep. I take a nap like uninterrupted for a couple hours. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine just cause like I already sleep like shit. So being, being in that situation just to not get any sort of kind of sleep whatsoever would be just normal. Yeah. It'd be normal for you. Yeah. Just, just about. So, um, did you did you guys was it was it a natural birth or did uh, Nikki was, have like a C section? No, it was it was natural. It was natural. It was funny. We we got there at like nine in the morning, eight in the morning, something like that. They started the pitocin at nine o'clock and let it go, and she was fine for a hot second. Like she was doing okay. Yeah, she felt the contractions, and then. They and Nikki was all about like natural. She didn't want an epidural. She wanted natural. And then they broke her water manually. And I literally like I didn't see it. I was in the bathroom. So I I came out from taking a pee and I look over and my wife's like shuddering, like shaking uncontrollably, going, whoo. And I'm like, all right, what the what the fuck just happened? Because I just see this midwife holding like a it was almost like a crochet needle in her hand walking away and goes, it's done. I'm like, what? And you're like, what? excuse me, what's done. Like, what do you mean? It's done. I just went to the bathroom for 30 seconds. What's done. And oh yeah. Yeah. We broke her water. Yeah. And so that's it. They broke, they broke her water. And it, from there it was game over, man. Like Nikki was like, yeah, get a, get an epidural in me. And it took, them they broke her water probably i would say around 11 o'clock or noon 
and it took them six hours to get the epidural right. Uh-huh. They, they put the epidural in, which I left. I didn't see. Um, they have to have like a sterile environment. So I had to leave. Um, and then they got the epidural in uh, around noon, I would say. I walked back in and she's still feeling it, still in pain. They called her up. They called the anesthesiologist back up to fix the epidural. Um, and they wound up shooting her like with, they wound up shooting her with a bunch of numbing, like, uh, anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And it was like three massive tubes, like Matt, like, you know, the tube size of like an Eminem mini. Yep. So that big of a tube full of anesthesia is going into her and they did three tubes. I'm like, you're going to kill this person. Granted, I have no idea the size of the anesthesia, like what's the actual measurement, what it actually does, how it's diluted. No idea. But I just see her them pumping her full of drugs. I'm like, you're like, Oh, my wife is dead. My wife is dead. But they found out that it wasn't working right, that the epidural was like leaning to one side. So part of her body was going numb while the other was not. So once they fixed it, which was around six o'clock, it was literally six o'clock. We had the baby. We had Mia at 7.50. So it was less than two hours later, baby was gone. She finally was able to relax because she wasn't feeling any pain. Um, and then, yeah, like I remember they they got the epidural right. And maybe an hour-ish later, an hour and a half later, Nikki goes, you got to get somebody. You got to get somebody. She's here. She's here. I'm like, what do you mean she's here? You just got the epidural right. You weren't even dilated to the proper dilation yet. What do you mean she's here? (laughs) She goes, no, no, no. She's here. I'm like, there's no way. So I called for the midwife. Sure as shit. She comes in, takes a look, and she goes, well, I got hair. Um, You got to hold on pushing. Uh, So, (laughs) Just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. They were like, they were like, give us little pushes. So her OB um, only had two patients at the hospital. The other patient they said was laboring for 72 hours, which my wife heard that and just about shit her pants. 72 hours. She was laboring Nothing. and chose the exact same time to actually start pushing the baby out and having the baby as Nikki. So one OB and they were like, yeah, you just kind of little pushes until the OB gets free. So it was, it was little pushes for a long time. And then finally, like the OB came in and it was two pushes. Mia was out or we were done. And I mean, in, in, in the long run, she got lucky. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she did. There, there's obviously a lot of complications that could go wrong, but yeah. She, Mia came out with a tube wrapped around her neck and oh, wonderful. they were fine. I mean, they literally say it's, it's super, super common. So it wasn't like they just do extra tests and like a blood draw to make sure, but she was yeah, fine. Make sure and, the oxygen right. good and all that, all that good stuff. Yep. And, and she was fine and she's been fine, happy, healthy baby ever since she's a pain in the ass, but I love her. Mm-hmm. But she, she's your daughter. So Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but she is, she's not me though. She, she is the spinning image and personality of, of Nikki. She's, she's exactly like my wife. I mean, it it could be worse. It could have just been a mini you. So, well, that's what we're hoping with, with Caleb. Mm. So do you, do you want a mini you or do you, do you want half and half? Um, I, I don't care. I just hope the kid grows up to be a good kid. Like that, that's it. If the kid yeah. goes up happy and healthy, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And isn't a douchebag. Like I don't care if she's me, if he's me or he's Nikki, I, I couldn't care less. And unfortunately there's a lot of kids that do grow up in their douchebags. <laughs> Exhibit a, mm-hmm. I am. No, I'm talking about me. Oh yeah. You too. I mean, <laughs> but sorry if I uh, keep coughing. So, uh, I, I've been dealing with a, a chronic cough for two and a half years. So that's, that's super fun. A lot of health shit. It's been, it's been a great, great little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you still like, you had that cough even when I was still working with you. <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, yeah, but not as bad. It, it like, it got way worse when yeah. we, like literally ever since we went to the hospital to, uh, deliver Mia to have Mia is when it got, light years worth light years worse 
Um, I, I don't know if it had to do with the air inside of the hospital being so dry, but it's like ever since then, I've seen specialist upon specialist upon specialist and been, you know, different treatments. And it's just, it's been a nagging nightmare. And because of that now, like I can't sing quite to the level that I used to. I don't have the same range. When I get up in my top range, I get raspy. It, it's, it's affected a lot and, and caused a lot of issues. So, yeah, so you've gone and seen, like, a pulmonologist and stuff like that. Did they, have they said, like, anything? Yes, no. So I saw, I saw a ENT who thought it was, like, a, almost like a, a tick, mm -hmm. like just a habit cough. Um, so they gave me stuff to calm down my nerves and stop having nervous reactions. Um, I saw a pulmonologist who said it wasn't my lungs. Um, and he, the only thing he really did is diagnose me with sleep apnea, which I thought that was going to help a little bit. It did for a little bit and then it stopped. Um, I saw a allergist, um, who said it, what it might be vocal cord dysfunction, which vocal cord dysfunctions, a dysfunction, go figure, big stretch, uh, that makes your vocal cords so they don't close fully. So obviously vocal cords, it's two sets of cords that rub together and create the vibration that yeah. is what your voice is. And um, I think it's when you breathe in or breathe out or one of the times your vocal cords are supposed to pretty much come together and close and they don't, they weren't closing on me. That's what he thought. This was all, by the way, just theory. He had no idea other than studying a, a pulmonary function test, a, a breathing test, which my pulmonologist did. So I don't know how he got to sleep, but he, he basically was like, go see a speech pathologist um, in Buffalo medical group. They have one in their ENT department. So I went and saw their ENT department and I didn't even see a speech speech pathologist. They never even got me to that point. They he took a stuck a camera up my nose, down my throat, mm. and was basically like, "Dude, you have a polyp on your vocal cords. That's why you're having all these issues. Let's schedule surgery to re to remove that." And this was a year ago. So last year, April is when I went into the hospital, went under, woke up. And was like, how does the surgery go? And he was like, we didn't do anything. It's like, no. what do you mean you didn't do anything? He's like, your voice sounds fine. Your polyp is gone. So we didn't do anything. What do you mean? Like, uh, what do you, yeah. Like, what do, you yeah. Mean? what do you mean? It's just gone. So apparently it just healed itself and it just went away. But I still cough. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's got to be something else. But yeah. So what do I know? Right. So the other thing that they said is it could be, oh God, uh, getting to the weeds now. So the other thing that it could be is um, that I've gained a substantial amount of weight in the last little bit. So the increased pressure on my throat is causing that and, and increased pr uh, pressure on my diaphragm when I breathe in because mm -hmm. I don't have the full room, which is valid. Um, you know, I was, I was in decent shape and then my thyroid decided that it wanted no part of working. Um, so that was in late 2019 when my, my thyroid decided to take a shit. Um, and since then, um, I've gained a, a little over a hundred pounds, um, which sucks to say, um, I've tried like watching what I eat, working out, um, and it's pretty futile. Like I have to be super, super strict on everything to see any results and, I'm Italian, so yeah. Car carbs, um, Car carbs are are delicious. Yeah, they're they're great, and it's no bueno. And um, I, I don't have the dedication to do that, you know. So, um, you know, I, I made the decision uh, about a year ago now to look into uh, getting gastric sleeve surgery mm -hmm. um, to to lose the weight. So not only like you know, will it help the fact that I'm, I've gained quite a bit of weight and I'm very unhappy with that from, coming from, you know, being at probably one of my healthiest states as far as weight's concerned and image and, and all that stuff um, to, to now. So it's been, 
uh, it, it was a rough shock. So I signed up for that about a year ago. I actually have surgery um, in 13 days. So less than two weeks, which is terrifying for that. Um, but like, you know, I just got to a place where with that, where it was like the positive, the potential positive results greatly outweigh any health issues that I'm having now, like any of the risks, all the health issues that like, because I put on weight, I now have acid reflux. I have high blood pressure. Like I have all these things. I have mental health, uh, mental health issues, which, you know, I don't know if that's because of the way, because my hormones are probably wildly imbalanced. Um, or if it's just, it's there regardless of, of, of the weight. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about it. Like I, I've got a young daughter, I've got another kid on the way. Granted, I didn't know this at the time, but I, I have a young daughter. My goal was to make sure I see them grow up and, and at my current state and, and where I was at that point in time, I just wasn't confident that that was going to happen. And, and that, and the fact that everything hurt always, I'm always tired. I've got all these other health issues. Um, if I work out or if I, even if I do things around the house, I hurt for like a week. And and it was to a point where I was like, you know, I need something to jumpstart me so that I can kind of take my life back and get back to the place where I was happy and get back to the place where I, I feel like I deserve to be. So, so yeah, I have, I have surgery coming up in, in two weeks. Yeah. And then, and I mean, I'm sure you just want to be a, an actual person again. Because yeah. Of, I mean, you know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, my weight has gotten, I, I've always been up and down. So it's not like me being heavy. I, I don't have like, I don't feel the identity there. So it's not like that, which is good. Um, you know, I just, I don't, I'm not my happiest. I can't, you know, run around and keep up with my daughter and she wants to play all the time. And I can't like consistently be active. It hurts to bend down and pick her up. Like it's just everything, and, yeah. you know, standing too long or even the, the, one of the worst things too is with this, my, my back, um, it like tenses up when I walk. So like we used to, me and Nikki legitimately every night would go on about a, a, a mile walk. We go down, our street and come back and it's about a mile all the way down and all the way back. And, um, I can't even do that anymore. I get to the end of our street and my back is absolutely on fire. Um, even walking like the bills games, I went to the practice and I had to stop two or three times to like stretch my back. Cause I yeah, like going to start spasming. That's, that's a long walk. No matter like where you park, it's, you know, you're, yeah. you're walking pretty much the entire time. hundred percent. So yeah, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot to do with my mobility. Uh, it had a lot to do with my health. The fact that, you know, I'm getting all these other issues and it had a lot to do like my singing voice. If this is any sort of help on the cough, on my voice again, um, you know, that was the one thing that I took a lot of pride in. And I thought I was, you know, I was really confident in, in my ability it was with singing and now I don't have the same level. So like if, you know, if you pay attention to any of the new stuff, I don't really access my higher register in any of the music. Keith does that. And it's not necessarily by choice all the time. It, a lot of it, like granted Keith's higher register sounds great. It's this gritty contrast against my like smoother, lower tones, but I, I don't really have the option of hitting the notes. Um, and pretty much every time, literally every time, except for probably the first time, we went to the studio. I, my voice was either gone because I was coughing so much or it was, uh, limited because of that. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's not fun at all. Nope. You know, nope. Especially when it's, you know, you're, you're one of your favorite things to do. And I've, I've always <laughs> liked your voice. So thanks buddy. Yeah. Um, except, except when you sang the, the 1975 literally every day I still at work. Hey, their new album sounds good so far, man. I haven't listened to it, but I'll, I'll always remember that you, you would come into work. Well, and I stopped. You would sing it literally every day. Sorry, I stopped. Uh, I stopped for a hot second because I thought their last album was pretty awful. Well, yeah, was, I remember you saying that. My opinion. It's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Not 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 every. Uh, 
Not every album can be a banger. <sighs> yeah. Um, but that, that actually brings me to something I wanted to, to ask you. You know, you guys are doing, you know, the, the, the new stuff and, and everything. And it, 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 in my opinion, that's, that's the best stuff that you guys have ever done. It sounds great. Thank you. And I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke up your ass. Cause no. you know, that's not me. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So. We, uh, we actually got our, our, a compliment from, uh, Nick Borges too, who always like when we were b- before we broke up, which, you know, I can, I can get into that too. But before we broke up, he literally said like, you guys do what you do well. I just absolutely hate music. And now <laughs> he asked me when I sent him the, the songs, he's like, can I join your band, please? <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. But yeah. Um, you know, th- thinking back to how you guys sounded and the, well, not, I guess you could call them the good old days where, oh. you know, where, uh, you got made fun of by all the, the hardcore kids and they'd, they'd play Duck, Duck, Goose uh, during your set. Yep. Is, is there, I don't know, is there anything you guys would have, or at least you personally would have done differently back then? Because, I mean, I know, you know, I, I would, being in, being in the scene, I would hear stuff like, oh, like they're douchebags because, you know, they play preppy core or whatever they wanted to go or like rise core and blah, 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 and that. you know what's funny yeah. though is the people so this might sound the, like super pretentious and i'll say it at risk of sounding pretentious that's okay but you know I, I think the people that hated on us the most were the people who were jealous that the of the fact that we had a little bit of a success in, in Buffalo, um, outside of Buffalo, we were very good at networking. So we had connections that we could utilize and, and leverage. Um, and they didn't know us. Like that's, that's the thing is it's funny because a lot of the people that were big haters at, at first of what we did, once we, once they started to know us and have conversations with us and I started to, you know, have conversations with other people, like, now they're friends of mine. Now they like the music and appreciate it for what it is and understand that's, that is what it is. As far as regrets, uh, I don't, I wouldn't make any regrets. Uh, I mean, gosh, this is a, this is a loaded question here, man. I wouldn't say I, I make any regrets as far as the sounds of what we wrote, like the genre that we chose. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I, there's there's definitely regrets along the way. I mean, uh, one of our biggest regrets, 100%, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was when we switched managers. Like, that was probably, that honestly, that, that right there was single-handedly probably the biggest thing that led to the fact that we broke up um, was the path that our new manager, who I'm not going to name names, um, set us down. Um and Sean from from um, Creation Group, I think it was called. Um, he's also the vocalist of, of either Breather. Yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't wasn't Sean. No, the, no. Sean Sean was amazing. Um, that's who, it was. It was after Sean. If we okay. if we could have stayed with Sean, I think we'd be in a very 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 different place than we are now. Um, I think you know, Sean was great. One of the best managers. And, you know, we still like, we still have a text thread or a message thread with all of us. Like we still talk consistently. Anytime he's in the area, I'm always the first one to go and hang out. Like Sean maybe gave me the most shit out of anybody in the band, but it was, it was for a reason, but he's, he, he was amazing. He's a great manager. I really wish we didn't leave him. That was a big regret. Um, not going to accredited producers sooner was a big regret regret. Um, Cause if you look at our timeline, so we, we put out an EP that I can't, I can't even find anymore, by the way, I, I can't even find some of our old stuff um, called you create your own reality. It was fucking abysmal. It was absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. We put that out. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think it was 
after we released This Gift is a Curse. So we went from Caleb, who's mm-hmm. polished, like his product was very polished. And that was a fun story. So when we went down, the, the way we got introduced was to Caleb is we were friends with the Woe Is Me guys. Yep. And um, the one, one of the band members' girlfriends, uh, her name was Logan. And Logan was friends. She's from the Cincinnati area. So she knows people in the Cincinnati and um, Columbus area music scene. And that's where Caleb's from. And she knew um, Sean McClowski, McCowski rather the original guitarist and singer of my ticket home. And he's, he, they recorded with Caleb. They were best friends with Caleb. So we got introduced to Sean who then introduced us and actually co-wrote this gift is a curse with Caleb with us. And when we went down to record this gift, it sounded nothing. I literally nothing like what it sounds now. Not a thing. We played it for them. We brought the the scratch tracks. We played it for them. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And then pretty much deleted the entire file. And we wrote it from scratch. I had strep throat when I recorded. Like, my tonsils were massive. My uh, my lymph nodes were swollen. Eddie was giving me homeopathic medicine thinking that was going to help, which fucking didn't. So I recorded that half here and half... uh, Sorry, half there and half in Buffalo. So... um, yeah, but they rewrote that entire thing. So when people are like, yo, this gift is my favorite song. I really want you to play it. I'm like, fuck this gift. I fucking hate this gift. I absolutely hate this gift because it wasn't written by me. It wasn't written by us. It wasn't a product of my city. It was using scrap pieces and the lyrics that we had. Granted, Andrew did write a little bit with Kayla, but it was like, Kayla was basically like, listen, this is how you have to write. And that from that on it stemmed all of the writing we ever did. We then we picked up on how songwriting should be. It was more structured. And that's kind of when it turned for us for the better. Like our first stuff was pretty shitty. So anyways, we released this gift and then we had you create your own reality, which is this just pile of hot dog shit that we released. And I say that because we recorded with, um, I'm not going to name names again. Anytime I speak of people in bad light, I'm going to try not to name names. That's fine. Um, But we recorded with somebody uh, from GCR that was acting like they were much better at their job than what they were. And they absolutely torched us out of a ton of money. Then we sent it off to a guitarist of another band that was self-produced. He did all of his own music. Uh, You know, what he did is he actually replaced their drum samples and just put the drums wherever he felt. Like I, I went back and listened to El Dorado, uh, which is the first song we ever wrote as a band. Um, listen to that. And I was like, these aren't where the drums are supposed to be. He just made up his own drum beats to the songs. Um, and then, does, it, does it even like line up with the it, tempo and everything? Or is it, it does, just like, it does, but some of the, it sounds awkward at, at times. It sounds really, really awkward. Like um, there are times that he doesn't hit a snare for like two measures. I'm like, this sounds super fucking weird. Like you, you did a pretty terrible job. Um, but he also, even on top of that, he auto-tuned my voice and auto-tuned it in the wrong key. So you auto-tune my voice, which again, not to sound conceited, I don't really need auto-tune. I definitely like everybody needs pitch correction. It's a common staple. Like it, it is it is commonplace in every single music production you hear is pitch correction. That's the finished product. No matter how good a singer is, they definitely have some falters along their vocals in, in like every song. It always happens, right? So pitch correction is normal. Auto-tune, I don't want, I don't need. It's not like something I ever use or ever plan on using. Um, and he did it in the wrong key. So it just it's it's a terrible product. That's why it's not up. That's I don't even have it anymore. I can go back and listen to Ruff's. And that's the only thing I have is rough recordings from a, from an, our first drummer's attic and, and basement. I don't even have the final product. So that's just, that's just out there in the ether somewhere. It's somewhere. So like, I definitely regret that, like putting that out because it was abysmal. It was not good. Um, I regret going through who we did to get um, dream beings 
mastered because again, um, he didn't, the, the files didn't line up properly for the, uh, the drum samples that we used because we recorded that in Keith's uh, apartment in Lockport at that point in time. So this is when Keith was working at Nick D'Angelo's shop in Lockport. He had the apartment upstairs above the tattoo shop. We turned his spare bedroom into a little mini studio and the closet we lined all in foam to make it a dead vocal booth. We recorded, we recorded that and produced that all ourselves using logic and, um, it was all drum sampled out. And when we sent it off to um, one of the guys, I forgot the guy's name. This is a guitarist and singer from our last night. Um, we sent it off to him to get mastered, which it's not his fault. So I don't want to put it out there that it's his fault, but he didn't have the same drum samples that we had. So we had to kind of make up the drums And some parts aren't right. Some parts are missing hits. Some parts have extra hits. It just, it sounds very awkward. So like that, that's a big one that I regret is, is that album and, and how it was brought, uh, produced. And we've been like, we've been going back and forth about putting that one up for people to listen to. Cause we get that a lot is, Hey, where's the old album? Where's dreamings? We want to hear that song. We want to hear this song. And we've been like thinking about, should we just throw it up because it's already been released or should we just go have it just remastered, remixed and make sure the stuff is the way it should be. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a question of, should we invest more money into it? I mean, at, at a at a certain point, I mean, maybe you know, you, you guys are releasing new stuff, right? Right. So, I mean, just kind of see that timeline of like going from going from that to to this. Yeah, right. I mean, I I I enjoy that with with artists sometimes if they go back and release or like remix and remaster stuff. Sometimes I fucking hate it, like. For example, when uh, <clears throat> August Burns Red did uh, shit, what the fuck? What the fuck is it? Composure? No, the the third one. I can't remember the name of it right now. Leveler. Yeah. So when they went like redid Leveler, I'm like, why, 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 why did you like like why did you redo this? I I th- I think the way that they redid it just sounds awful. Which is funny because that's the producers that, that those are the producers we go to for that's who we went through for three out of the five songs in AI and that's who we went through for this entire album. I I just I, I Leveler is is one of my favorite albums of theirs and really? yeah like that that's probably my my favorite album because anything album. any anything that they dropped after that I I haven't liked. So like their first three albums, oh, yeah. It just I haven't liked anything else since. What's the one that they're they're doing with like um, Team America dolls? Invisible Enemy, I think it's called. I yeah, I think I think that's what it is. That song rules. I, I also I, I stand I stand for anything that Grant and Carson do. I think they're amazing producers. Their workflow is fucking awesome too. So. When you go there, and especially their new studio is is gorgeous. It's a it's a it's a work of art. So when you go there, um, at least this is our experience from the process, and we usually do it in chunks. So like the reason that it took us so long is funny. We, we were they were so against getting back together for the longest time, and then I we we had like almost two grand sitting in our band account that Andrew couldn't figure out how to get, uh, take out of there. And we were just kind of sitting on it and then he figured it out and we were all like, right, what do we use it for? And I said, why don't we go record more music? Cause we were trying to do that for a little bit and it never worked out. We always got too busy. Everybody was focusing on their business, which, you know, rightfully so or whatever. Um, and it was the last time. And I was like, listen, like, let's go finally record something. Um, we've been trying this forever. We just got to figure out the right sound. And uh, everybody was kind of wishy-washy. And then at my gender reveal, not even two months later, uh, we were talking and Keith was like, yo, let's go record. And everybody's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Great idea. <laughs> I'm like, are you, are you guys serious? And you're just like, oh, okay. I'll yeah, just go I, fuck myself, exactly, I guess. Exactly. Like, thanks. I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, 
Keith had this massive epiphany and that's what everybody went with, but it's okay. I'm, I'm happy that we did. So we usually go in like bursts of two or three days. So our total album costs for seven songs was $11,000. I did the math. It's disgusting. Um, plus Airbnb, whenever we stayed there. So it was a, it was a gross total, but when you get there, um, day one, we have our pre pro and day one's mainly spent on getting everything inputted into the program, into pro tools, lining up the stuff, making sure the samples are, are what they're needed to be. Um, going over adjusting any parts of the song that, you know, if first listen through, um, Carson was like, you know, Hey, maybe we should do this or we'll come like the song we're releasing tomorrow. Um, there was a big lull for the bridge and we didn't know what to do. And, um, I actually was like, Hey, why don't we try? Like, why don't we try this kind of breakdown? We never really did something like this. And, uh, Carson was like, Oh yeah, that'd be, that could be cool. Let's, let's try it. So we like take care of all that stuff, plug everything out in the first day. Then the second day we break off into two rooms. Cause we do with two producers, Grant and Carson. One room is Carson and the guitars. So bass, um, uh, bass, regular guitar, and then any like keys and drums is the one room. And then the other room is all vocals. So we okay. break off and, and we can write simultaneous and everything is shared in. So if we change and something's like, Hey, we don't really need a double pre-chorus here or, Hey, why don't we add a pre-chorus back to this or change the chorus? So it's double in length so we can repeat, we can send it right over and have them change it instantly live right on the spot, which is, it's awesome. Like the workflow is amazing. Um, so then, yeah, so we, we write and record. And then the last day we bring everything together, sit down and listen to it. And we have a rough copy before we leave and their studio, their studio setup is gorgeous. So it's a brand new studio and rock Lidditz, which rock Lidditz is the campus where pretty much every touring act, like big national, like massive, like Metallica and stuff. Most of the people will um, practice and stage out their live shows there. So they have on campus, they have a studio, they have um, Gibson guitars. They have a bunch of these uh, sound engineers, light engineers, everything needed to make a production happen. They have on campus. So it, it's one, it's insane. Like it literally is like a, uh, almost like a strip mall, like an outlet mall. Uh, for but just it, yeah, just for all music. All music. Yep. Recordings and recording studio, obviously there. Um, they have the the stage. They have a camera, um, like film um, business. They have everything you can think of, lights, anything. So you go in and they have this massive live room that they had an acoustician come in and measure everything. And then they have four control rooms. So four different producers can be working at the same time on different music. There's no sound bleed. They have an Atmos room that's designated only to do Dolby Atmos to mix uh, in surround sound, basically like full surround sound. Yeah. If you're familiar with what Atmos is. Yep. Yep. But then each of the th the first three, not the Dolby, not the Atmos room, but the, the other three, um, control rooms have a window and an opening to get to the live room. So you can plug in and patch in to the live room from any of the control rooms. The atmosphere room has a camera, so you can still see in there and patch in as well. So you literally like, it's just efficient. They can rent out another control room to another producer, like anything they need to do, they can do with the studio. And it's, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's super cool. It sounds, it sounds very efficient, it's super efficient. And that's, I mean, we, so with AI going back to 2014, we did uh Zeno and AI with Caleb and then Caleb had a deal. That's when he started writing with Ro uh, Red Bull records and he was very, 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 very busy. Uh, and then we knew we had to finish up the EP and Sean was recording. Um, what's their uh, life Reaper album? Yep. They're recording life Reaper with Grant and Carson. I was like, listen, we're going to go and finish the album. We've got, four days to finish three songs. Like this is how we're going to do it. We're going to go with them and we got a massive deal on it. So we went down, finished that EP and we literally had like, we wanted, we knew instantly we were like, we want to go back to them because it's just very efficient. You can get so much more done 
not that Caleb, Caleb was amazing. Like I love recording with Caleb. Caleb's the homie. Like I have a, a story where, um, he, we were all drinking in his basement and I decided to pass out cause I had to record vocals, which is pretty much the case. Like I'm the first one to bed because I always have to record vocals the next day, half the time. Um, and I wake up to Kanye's mercy playing over his studio speakers and him in a bathrobe dancing above my head. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so Caleb's a homie, but at 1600 per song. So that was the coolest. It was like flat per song, but a $1,600 per song at that, at that price point versus a thousand dollars a day. And you can knock out two songs in three days and call it like be done. So at that point it's 1500 per song. And again, the efficiency is there. Obviously the material is, is prime. Like we're writing what I would say. Um, and I appreciate your kind words. What I would say is probably our best stuff. Like we're going to take that all day long. Yeah, absolutely. And if I remember correctly, you were, you were, I remember when you, when you said you guys like started, uh, uh, writing all that stuff that it was just going to be an EP and now, uh, yeah, it's, you know, a full, full on, just full album. Yeah. It's, it's a light album. We'll call it like a diet album, right? Yeah. Seven songs. So it's just over the point of being an EP. Um, but we wrote, it's funny. We re-recorded and wrote the EP. We got back and we were looking at it and doing everything. And everyone was like, yo, what about two more songs? Like, I think we just go and record an album. Like, let's do two more songs. And like Nikki at this point was super against it. She doesn't like me leaving, especially the fact that we have a young kid. Mm. Um, and we, I mean, if you think of the timeline, we would start like our first, our first studio date was July of 2020. So we, we literally had a three month old, we had a fresh four month old, fresh baby. Um, and I'm leaving for three days at a time. And so for yeah. her, it, it's, it's definitely scary, but we got back from the fifth song and she's like, Oh, thank fuck. You're done. Like, thank God you're done. You don't have to do this anymore. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done for a, a little bit. Like until we decide to make more music or whatever, like we're good. And then everybody's like, Hey, let's go down for three more days and do a couple more songs. And I was like, uh, Nikki's not going to go for it, but whatever. And I just told yeah. her like, Hey, we're going to, you know, go to two more songs for three days and then we're done. And you're still alive. I'm still alive. She didn't kill me in my sleep yet. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping it comes soon. <laughs> One day you just, just won't wake up. And oh, there, there'll be, there'll be a pillow over your face. You know, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. Nobody thinks that I want to die. I love my life at times. At times, at times it's got to say, you know, but you know, you, you've been, been through a journey, you know, like I remember, uh, you know, like you got me a job at net cellular sales and, yep. and you know, that, that, that whole thing that, you know, didn't work out for me, but it's, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm actually, you know, absolutely glad to call you a friend because, you know, Always, man. I remember I'm trying to remember the first time I actually saw my city. <laughs> uh, was I, I'm going to guess it was probably with Sheltered by Skies at one point, more likely than not. Probably. Uh, it was either at X Wheels or it was, uh, you guys played a show at the ballroom and I can't remember. We was, did. So I can't ball- remember. I can't remember who it was for. Yep. Ballroom was word alive, uh, attack, attack and escape. The yep. Yep. And then literally yep. the only reason we got on that show is because of Caleb. Yeah. That's, that's what I kind of figured. Um, what, what do you, what do you think personally about the, the, the attack, attack revival? Um, you can be honest. The only original member is Mike, uh, Andrew Whiting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And Andrew Wetzel. Yeah. Forget about that. Wedding and Wetzel. Uh, yeah. Wedding and Wetzel. Those are the only two members. I, I think it should have just been left in the past unless you were going to get like the vocalist, which made it stand out. Um, I'm not crazy about it. I don't hate it. I mean, do what you want. Like revivals right now are super in like everybody's getting back together. 
Um, so, I mean, all, all power to him. I just, I want to hear original stuff versus the same stuff that, you know, you played when you had other vocalists. Yeah. Like Johnny Frank, I adored. And, and you know, obviously Caleb, I, I adored as well as, right. as you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I tried listening to some of the new stuff that they put out. I'm just like, this is, this isn't attack. attack. It's not, it's yeah. Like, it's not man. attack attack, man. It's not the same. It just call at that point. Like you should have just called it a spinoff, but I think, and, and listen, all power to them, not taking anything away. No. Attack Attack obviously has the following, right? If they were going to create something new, yeah, it would stir up a little buzz. But the promotion's way different nowadays. And that's what we're learning too. Like starting, even us starting back up again, granted, we weren't anything like uh, amazingly huge or super, super popular where, you know, we could go to Texas tomorrow and play a show. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. Sure, we have a following all over the world and it's funny our um our i think it's our first highest or second highest country is russia is our is our like one of our biggest followings how do you feel about that (laughs) fine dude i I don't care it's not the people that are involved in in this shit it's it's one tyrannical person like some random vladimir in the countryside of Russia is not the one that decided to send troops to the border. So I don't no. care, man. Like, uh, dude, fuck it. If our music's reaching over there, amazing. I'm super happy. Super happy about it. Anybody who, anybody who decides to listen and take the time out of their day. Like the thing that I think about is there are so many different artists, past, present, that you could choose to take time out of your day and listen to. And the fact that you're taking the five minutes or three and a half minutes, however long the song is to listen to my band, it is, it's, it's humbling, man. It's, it's insane. When you think about that, like out of the infinite number of artists there possibly is, we're the one that people choose at times. Yeah. And you know, it, that brings up a, a great point. Like how, just how far music can travel. And it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, nope. You know, Buffalo, Buffalo's not even our top city. Oh, Buffalo's uh, not our top city. What, what's uh, your top city? It wasn't even in the state. Uh, let me see if I can look it up. Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't even in the state. Um, which is, again, just humbling. Like the fact that, first off, again, the fact that. Buffalo is not our top city is humbling, but also it's like, what the shit is our city doing? Yeah. You know, what's going on, but you know, it is what it is. Um, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I have, I haven't been to a show in a, in a long time. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I hate to sound like an old man, but it's just not the same anymore. So I'm just like, Oh, a show! I gotta, you know, doors sure. are set. Doors are at seven, and then they get over and done with it like ten, ten thirty. I want to be in bed already. Here we go. Um, this is the past twenty-eight days. Top cities. Uh, we'll just go through our t- uh, the top ten. Okay. So, number one is Chicago. Okay. Number two is Helsinki in Finland. So 143 monthly listeners uh, last 28 days, 119 in Finland, London, United Kingdom was 112. Dallas was number four with 111. Sydney, Australia with 108. Melbourne, Australia with 107. Then Buffalo with 107. Atlanta with 95. Philadelphia with 85. And Stockholm, Sweden with 78. So if we look at that, we have... If we look at that, we have one, two, three, four, five, six countries out of the top 10 that were United States. So almost half the time, if we have two listens, pretty much one is coming from another country. That's insane to think about. Like, I don't know, like back in the day, like back in the AI days, would you have even imagined like, oh, hey, like people are going to listen to our music in different countries or is it just, you know, well, just going to be big here. You got to, you got to think too. Um, 
I was a cocky little shit back in the AI days. Like I, yeah. I thought we were invincible. So yeah, I definitely thought like you and your tight jeans and tight shirts. Yeah. And now uh, I just call that normal fitting. Cause that's the only shirt <laughs> I can buy. Um, no, I, I definitely thought we were going to be listened to like, you know, with the fact that we had those names that we networked with and, you know, we did the, you now streams and all those like, um, you now, and I forgot what the other ones were before that. Um, and we always had people tuning in from other countries. We had people friending us from other countries and just shooting us a message saying, Hey, I like, I love your band. Like shit like that. Like, so I knew that they were going to get some sort of traction in, in other countries. But as far as like to this extent, yeah, no. When if you would have told me during the AI days that one out of every two listeners was coming from another country, like no, no shot. Yeah. Did what? What was I? I, I mean, obviously my the, the podcast isn't that big, and I don't get a whole lot of listeners. But like one of the things I saw was like I got had some percentage of listeners in like New Zealand. I was like, what? And- yeah, dude, it's crazy. The internet, like people are just looking for content and it doesn't matter how big something is or whatever. If the content's right, people are going to consume it. I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, for you is just to keep going and figuring out, figuring out like smart ways to market yourself. But it, you know, it, you don't have to be massive to gain a decent following and, and no. it start to be worth, you know, worth more of your time and start to invest more time into it. Like, it's just it, people are just it's content crazy. That's all it is nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like, and then obviously, like, the rest of the percentage is United States, but just seeing, like, I think it was like three percent in New Zealand. I'm like, oh, like, all right, some someone in New Zealand is listening somewhere, right. whoever right. they are, right? And if that one or two or, you know, five people or whoever, how many ever tells somebody about it? Hey, check out this episode. It's kind of cool. Like that's just how you grow. It's all, yeah. it, it just, it can spread like wildfire, man. For sure. I, uh, coming up, I, I have some, you know, some, uh, it, at least in my opinion, some higher profile guests, not that you're not high profile, no, I'm but not, you I'm know. absolutely not. I'm a, I'm a father of one and, a half kids, uh, a husband, like I'm a washed up local celebrity that wasn't even <laughs> massive. And like, I am not high profile at all. Local celebrity. <clears throat> yeah. I have to be my Buffalo. don't even know who the fuck I am. <laughs> Probably walk into like Lenovo somewhere and be like, Hey, do you guys, you guys know do who know, I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? No, sir. This is, this is Lenovo. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to order some pizza? <laughs> I'll t- I'm talking about an eight piece. Let's go. Uh, My dogs are all over the place. What? But yeah, so um, along with the music, we're going to, we're going to start shooting. Um, we're going to start shooting a deep dive and t- to talk about some of the stuff, you know, some of the reasons why we, we stopped being a band. We broke up. Um, talk about going behind the scenes more on, on the songs and, you know, what part of our brain they came from, what experiences we had coming up with the songs. Um, a lot of like background stuff. I'll probably talk about, you know, health and some of the stuff. Yep. Um, I, I think that if we look back on, you know, if we look back on the timeline of the band and timeline of everything, I think a lot of people are confused on, you know, we went down to record a single and then two days later we posted a status thing that we yep. up. It was really confusing. I think that's the clarity is coming. So if anybody who's a fan of the band is listening and is questioning that, like the clarity is coming, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you know, I want to make sure everybody knows the story and um, you know, some, some of the contacts that we made were not all good ones when it comes to, you know, networking. So if you're in a band and, you're trying to network, make sure you're not working with the right people, make sure they're good people, you know, make, make sure they're not going to stab you in the back and, and make sure that they're not, um, very, like very much just in it for, for them. And that's the one thing I can say without giving too much away. I, 
think I might know who you're talking about. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah, but, just make sure you check in and make sure you're always trying to help everybody else out. Yep. But also making sure that they're not only in it for them. Yeah, and that's that's... <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's a lot of people in the in the world right now is people looking out for only themselves and kind of stepping on whoever you know whoever they can to you know get get in the way. Right. Right. But um, I'm actually going to cut it off there. But uh, I will. I'll definitely have you on again. We can we can talk some more. Um, Yeah, I'm always open, man. Always for it. But uh, yeah, so I yeah I appreciate you taking taking your busy dad time out and I got you brother talking to me yeah so yeah, going, going off on tangents and talking a lot but yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's 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 what my podcast is it's going off on tangents and talking about a lot of stuff hell yeah well, so yeah I appreciate you inviting me man thanks for letting me on yeah absolutely and uh, I will I'll talk to you later. <laughs>